Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody out there, and once again, may I welcome you to what is going to be an outstanding podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, volumes one through eight, available at Amazon in paperback and ebook. And if you haven't been listening, Volumes 1 through 8 are now available at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon. And, by the way, may I remind you to pick up a copy of my latest book, How to Make Money, God's... God. <laughs> I just drew a blank. <laughs> Come on, Bill. It's your book. Yeah. God's Universal <laughs> Laws for Wealth and Prosperity. I assure you that this book will benefit one and all. And it's going to be out very soon at Audible in an audio book as well. So pardon me for the blank for a moment. <laughs> I was staring at the waveform on Audacity, Kev, and I just freaking zonked out. <laughs> you got zonked into watching your voice as a visual. <laughs> and as you can hear, my friends, my brother KJ has joined me. How's it going, Kev? I'm doing all right. How about you, Bill? Good. Have, did you see the latest uh, episode or the final episode for the season of The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch? I didn't. So this is the one where they go up in the helicopter? Uh, oh, excuse me. There's one more. The next one's the final. No, yeah, this... no I, saw, I saw the penultimate episode, but not the final episode. Okay, so. yeah. So you saw the ones where yeah. they blasted all of those nice rockets up. Yeah, and you know me, I love rockets, yeah. so it was good either way, but it was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good. And once again, that UFO uh, made a little showing after that one rocket launch. Yeah, I still don't I, don't, I don't, I don't understand that. Like, it's so weird that this thing up in the sky shows up when they shoot a rocket. But I guess the final episode that's coming up, they're going to take up uh, what's Brandon's helicopter mm -hmm. and uh, see if they recreate what the rockets create, which is kind of interesting That right there, right? Yeah, well, really what they want to do is be able to stay stationary at 5,000 feet. Right, with, that magic apex up there above the ground. Right, with their instruments running and see what happens when they can stay there rather than just shooting through it and maybe descending back through it with a, a big enough rocket, you know? Very yeah. cool, though, and very cool. And by the way, folks, speaking of UFOs, I mentioned this. Kev, I'm working on uh, my latest UFO sightings and encounters. Ooh. And I have some of my own personal UFO encounters in there. Some of the encounters that I've gleaned from the world of Bigfoot. And I just penned in there. An incredible, incredible encounter from a 101-year-old Russian man who, who was a seaman on an Antarctica icebreaker. Whoa. I mean, you just can't get any uh, deeper than that. And uh, this is just one 
of many, many mind-blowing UFO abduction mutilations. I mean, this book is going to run the gambit of some heavy-duty UFO sightings and encounters. And when I'm done with it, folks, you don't want to miss it. So what do you think of that, Kevin? That sounds pretty cool. I like the UFOs and the more modern UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Yeah, and that's more common... Uh, than people think, you know, there were some hot spots, and uh, I've got I've got a, a few enticing tidbits in this new uh, uh, book that I'm putting together. So I'm not going to give it away. You know, those that are interested are going to jump on it, and those that aren't aren't. So when it's time, it's I like it. Yeah, very cool. So what do you got today, bro? In our uh, oddities. Yeah. In- cryptids in the news and other oddities we're gonna look at uh, a cryptid that you may have heard of before but it's not a mainstream one but it's a super cool account Uh uh-huh it's known as the flatwoods monster oh i've heard of the uh flatwoods flatwoods monster also known as the braxton county monster Uh uh-huh or the Phantom of Flatwoods, uh. <laughs> or even affectionately as Braxy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if you're having a cup of coffee with the Braxy, <laughs> exactly. You don't mind if I call it's you Braxy, Braxy do you? <laughs> <laughs> so this is pretty awesome account, Bill. Uh-huh. And uh, there's a lot of things that are awesome about it, but it's pretty creepy. So. It all started back in 1952 on September 12th at about 7 o'clock at night. Uh huh. So kind of uh, like right after, uh, probably close to sundown in September, right? Uh huh. And it was in uh, um, Flatwoods, West Virginia. That's how it gets one of its names, mm-hmm. the Flatwoods Monster. Mm-hmm. So up in uh, Flatwoods, West Virginia. And it, two brothers... Edward and Fred May were outside near their house with their friend, Tommy Heyer, and they saw this bright object come across the sky low, and it looked like it landed on the property of a local farmer named G. Bailey Fisher. Huh. Yeah, so picture this, like this flaming round object coming across the sky low and it looks like it lands on the farm pretty close by yeah like walking distance away yeah this is a, so these i was just oh, gonna, go i was just gonna say this is a uh i don't know what you're getting into i don't know the story but this is a typical ufo sighting that many people see this flaming ball thinking it's gonna start a fire things like that this is very common yep. good yeah yeah yeah. So the boys go home to their house, right? You know, they're they're close by to their house and they go home uh, to Kathleen May, their mother, and they tell their story. And May uh, goes with the three boys and Neil takes Neil Nunley and Ronnie Shaver with her and Eugene Lemon. And they are all West Virginia National Guardsmen. So they have a certain level of credibility. Right. You know, not that. Average people don't have credibility. Right, right, right. right. But, but their goal was to go with the boys to the Fisher Farm in an effort to locate whatever it was that these boys said they saw. Uh-huh. Right? So the good news is here, like, they didn't say, come on, boys, cut it out. What are you doing? Right? You know, they were like, the boys were so upset, you know, and that. And they're like, okay, you know, let's get a few people together. Let's go over there to the Fisher Farm and see what's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So they go walking over there, the big group of them. They reach the top of the hill and Nunley, you know, one of the guys that they brought in said that they saw a pulsing red light. Huh. And uh, one of the other guys took a flashlight and he aimed it in that direction. And he saw this tall man like feature with like a hood shaped head. That doesn't sound too inviting. Well, if that didn't sound inviting, get the rest of this. Wow. So various descriptions, and there's going to be a sketch, too, of this thing that's an absolute creep fest. 
And uh, I'll put it on our website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, under this episode, Podcast 108. This thing is 10 feet tall, Bill. It's got a spade-shaped head, so kind of like the ace of spades. Wow. It's got this, like, round, dark metal dress on. A freaking Right, like a gown. Crazy. It's got these twisted spindly hands like with super long fingers almost like bones and the fingers are kind of twisted down coming out of the sleeves of this thing and this this apparently came out of the flaming ball or it was just there when they got there to investigate it was there when they got there they didn't see it come out of the flaming ball right right but definitely associated with the flaming ball it it had to be and and then it, they can't see any feet on this thing, and it's floating along over the ground. Wow. Was the ball still visible when they saw this thing, or this just had their attention? No. no. They were walking to where they think the ball, like, hit on the farm. Okay. And they see this thing. Jeez. And it's got glowing orange. So the good news is they're not red. Right. But they are orange <laughs> eyes. <laughs> Maybe they were just warming up. (laughs) (laughs) And as they're walking up there, Bill, there's like this lingering mist, like a fog. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a foggy night. And they said that it had this unique smell to it, but that the smell was sickening to them. Oh, boy. Now, Kev, I got to ask you. You're walking up on this thing as they were. Are you hanging around? You know what I mean? Are you st- no. are you staying there to see what more? <laughs> well, it gets better. Oh my god. So they saw it and then they heard this hissing sound and it started floating toward them. Nice. And they bolted. <laughs> so that's the good news. That's the good news. They bolted. Wow. But I think one of the things that's really interesting about this, Bill, is this description of the alien. Yeah. I mean, it's really unlike any description of an alien you've ever heard before, right? Yeah, it's just really With out this of the... hood-shaped head, oh. this metal gown floating along over the ground. Yeah, it's, it's just so creepy and gigantic, too. We're talking 10 feet yeah, tall. Yeah, 10 feet tall. Yeah. This freakazoid spade-shaped head. And, and this yeah. garment that looks like, uh, what would you describe it as, a metal dress? Metal dress. That's how they describe it. Man, I, I just, it's hard to believe it's like something out of a really warped sci-fi movie. Oh, yeah. And, and when you see the picture on our website, Bill, it looks like something out of a warped sci-fi movie. Yeah, now, when when did this actual, the initial sighting of the Flatwoods monster happen? September 14th, 1952. Wow. Anything since then? No. Just, I'll get into it in that same week, it was seen again. Okay. So, but this was published in a news clip from the Charleston Daily Mail from Charleston, West Virginia. Okay. So, pretty... Pretty cool. Now, how is Charleston? Well, you know, when I think of West Virginia, pardon me, people, if you live over there, I always think of, like, Appalachia. Oh, it is Appalachia, yeah. But, I mean, like, Charleston's a pretty built-up uh, uh, city. I think, I, I've been to Charleston. I think there's a big university there. It's not the University of West Virginia, but it's another big university. And if it is the University of West Virginia, I apologize, folks. Yeah. I've been there, and uh, um, I know there was a big stadium there. Right, so this, but I'm I'm not sure what university it is. Yeah, it's it's built up. They got malls and stuff like that, you know. But like everywhere else that we talk about all the time, just because you got built up pockets of people and uh, inhabitants, you go a little bit outside of there, and if you were lost, you wouldn't know that pocket of inhabitants was ten miles away from you. You know, you could get into the uh, thick woods quick over there. So this is really weird, though. This thing comes down, descending out of the sky. And uh, 
What was the description of it coming down again? They saw it coming across the trees. How did that go again? It was like this flaming ball that went across, and then the creature was just floating above the ground, like just above the ground, like you know where you'd look down to see its feet. Yeah, there were no legs or feet, and it was floating along. Yeah, and I'm not in any way comparing this to a Bigfoot sighting at all, but no, many yeah. accounts of Bigfoot uh, say it was gliding or looked like it was gliding. You remember I did that account. Of the uh, man smoking the cigarette that those uh, snowmobilers yes, ran into? in the snow. In the snow without leaving any tracks. Right, and his cigarette wasn't yeah. burning down. And then when they, Right, and wasn't it like a muddy trail and he was dressed all in white or something yeah, like had, that, including he, white shoes? Yeah, he had white boat shoes on, or but white sneakers. And they weren't even dirty. But the point I'm making is when they went back to look at the, where the Bigfoot had crossed, which had brought them around this trail up where they found this weirdo, there was no tracks. And, of course, they said, how could something move from A to B uh, that big and not leave tracks in the mud? Yeah, it's impossible, you know? So that's weird. There's yeah. a lot of freaking high strangeness going on. Uh, with many of these sightings and this Flatwoods monster, aka Braxy Baby, is is no different, you know. Freaking weird, man. Yeah. So where wild you, stuff. Where you going with this so now? You got something else with that? So one day later, well, first off, the sheriff and the police came out there, local law enforcement came out there that night, next morning, yeah. and uh, they didn't see the creature, Okay, and they didn't smell anything, but it did look like there were like skid marks, marks in the ground, uh, like something was there. Wow. Yeah. And so this is an official investigation now. I mean, at least whatever cops were available locally said, yeah, we'll go out and have a look, you know? Yeah. Wow, that is freaking creepy. And where did it go? Where did it go after that? So then one day later, a couple and their small child, like a baby, you know, one or two years old, uh -huh. are driving along a dark road in the same area. And all of a sudden, their car stalls. So picture that. You're driving along the dark oh, road. The car stalls. Yeah. Won't yep. start. And uh, they smell like a sulfur smell. Oh, boy. And this creature appears in front of the car. Mm -hmm. Same description or similar description. I'll tell you what was different about it in a minute. And it drags its hand and like claw-like fingers across the hood and floats away from them. <clears throat> My goodness. I mean, you're there with a baby, right? Uh, this is. Yeah. Uh, and the, oh, and by the way, the baby is screaming. Yeah, great. Like, not only does the car stall, but the baby's screaming. Wow. Well, it's almost like the baby sensed something really bad in this, you know. Absolutely. That's the first thing I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the children, they're so innocent. Uh, they have skills and things that we don't understand. When you're born, you're like perfect. Uh, we 100%. Only, we only get screwed up after we start to interact with adults. <laughs> and giant monsters. Yeah, and giant monsters dragging their claws across the hood of the car. Oh, my exactly. God. I can't even. So then this thing floats away, Bill. And, and the one thing that's different in their description uh, is that the head... They describe not as like a spade shape, but more like a reptilian head. Oh, boy. So some of the folks reporting on this say like maybe this spade shaped head was like a hood that it was wearing. Uh-huh. Right? Like, you know, like a hood over its reptilian head. Right. So that actually kind of makes sense. Like it could be the same creature. Yeah. I mean, depending how the hood opened or fell or laid on your head. It would take a yep. certain shape, right? And in the dark, it would just look like a black form uh, yep. coming at you, you know, unless you saw a hand reach up and pull the hood down, uh, exposing what might be the real shape of the head. Uh, but that is just like, oh, man.
Yeah, and back on, you know, this same night or nights, the local newspapers around the entire region there, from like West Virginia West Virginia out to Maryland, mm-hmm. and the Maryland Academy of Science reported that a meteor what flew over uh, that night pretty low. So it's kind of interesting. Like there are reports in the news of a of a low meteor that night. Yeah, and what what else would you identify a flaming ball flying low across the sky? You know, no, no. But I mean, it's not like just these seven people saw it. Right, right. Yeah, you know, yep. other people across the region saw something. Yeah, and you know, and so Bill, I I think what's really interesting about this again, I said it in the beginning, but. This description, it's consistent between the people, and I'll show you the picture, but to me it's unlike any description I've seen before of an alien. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard I mean, of don't the, get me wrong, it didn't look like a Labrador retriever, but it didn't look <laughs> like other descriptions. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the typical descriptions are the reptilians. Yeah. Uh, there are the white Nordic-looking race of aliens. They say they look just like human beings, but very plain, pale, uh, pale, pale blonde yeah. hair. And then you have yeah. the greys, uh, which sometimes are greenish, greenish, greenish gray. I guess it's all the same thing. And yeah. then you have the craft. Which more more times than not do not reveal to anyone occupants. You're just seeing a right. a vehicle. Yeah, a disc so, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, and the vehicles vary like in ridiculous ways. I agree. Yeah. Uh, one of the sightings that I had, uh, I saw something that looked like a building. Not saucer-shaped at all, angular, like stacked rectangles, progressively smaller, uh, hard right edges on it, right-angled edges, uh, at least to my point of view, and just gleaming in the sunshine on a perfectly blue sky as a background. I mean, what the hell is that? Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, exactly. But uh, very strange. So this thing's pretty cool, though, right? Pretty cool creature, pretty cool sightings. Definitely creepy. Perfect for a cryptid, a new cryptid that we talk about. But, Bill, what's crazy is, okay, what do you think the, you know, there's always folks that have the explanation for what the other folks saw. Mm -hmm. What do you what do you think they thought it was? Uh, we we got to go back. I mean, to, the good news is it's not a bear. <laughs> oh, it's not a bear. <laughs> not a bear. Uh, I don't know, man. A Bigfoot. A large barn owl. Oh, that is freaking ridiculous. I mean, that's more ridiculous than a bear, right? Yeah, and some people said the Mothman was a large barn owl. Yeah, or a large crane, you know, a flying crane, not, yeah. a, not a construction crane. Yeah, the crane bird. Yeah. Crane bird. Yeah, yeah, as if you couldn't differentiate. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. a, between the Mothman and a bird. And a Flaxton monster and a large barn owl. Well, get this. So they say the barn owl has claw-like hands, <laughs> otherwise known as talons. Right. And its face is shaped like an ace of spades. Yeah, and he walks in front of a car, killing the battery and dragging his claws across the hood. Yeah, something like that. And 10 feet tall. That's one big barn owl. <laughs> uh, I've seen a lot of barn owls, Bill, and I never thought one was 10 feet tall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what is a real barn owl? owl a foot? Foot tall. Yeah. yeah. About a foot tall, maybe uh, four. A monster barn owl is said to be 16 inches tall. Yeah, that would be granddaddy. Granddaddy barn owl. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, I mean, I've seen some great horned owls up close, probably uh, 20 inches, maybe a little better, 20, 22, maybe 24. Uh, And and they're a big big owl, you know, the great horned. And when you first saw one, were you thinking that was like an alien? Oh, of course. What else could it be? 
<laughs> I was looking for the spaceship it came in. Your recognition immediately said, alien. Yeah, yeah, alien. <laughs> uh, it's unbelievable. Well, you can't make it up, you know, but uh, that's why we're here to point these things out and, and bring these things to life. I mean, everybody's entitled to their opinion, and uh, anybody who listens to the show knows I have a few of my own, you know? Yeah, yeah. Wait till you see these sketches, Bill. They're fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even if you don't believe in this whole thing, the sketches are still fantastic. Yeah, like, no, it's they're it, cool. It's good stuff. I might, I might want one to hang on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Who doesn't like a good creep fest story anyway, you know? Oh, no doubt about it. It's you know. awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. Absolutely awesome. It is awesome. All right, Bill. So that is the Braxton, the Flatwoods Monster or the Braxton Monster or Braxy. And by the way, this was investigated by the old uh, uh, U.S. Air Force uh, UFO inquiry team called Project Blue Book. Oh, they looked into that. They did look into it. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows? That's uh, That's what they report. Who knows what their uh, their findings were relative to that, though, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Aye, aye, aye. All right, Bill. So that's what I got. What do, what do you have for us tonight? Well, I have a great account here. And uh, by the way, folks, if you've seen something, say something. Don't sit back and listen to what other people have to say. I know there are many, many, many people out there who have reports that they could give and spend a little time with me. And uh, you haven't contacted me as of yet. And that's just the way it goes. People are weird. But if you want to contact me, go to our website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, hit on the contact button, and initiate a conversation. I don't bite, unless you look tasty. (laughs) And uh, that's how these things begin. Now... This following account was told to me by a fellow named Lex Rausch, a resident of the state of Oregon. This is what Lex had to say about his sighting in 19- Bill, what was the name of that state? Oregon. Did I miss say it again? <laughs> you did. Oregon. Oh, okay. Let me try it again. Oregon. <laughs> is that better? No. (laughs) The mail's pouring in. (laughs) So (laughs) this is what Lex had to say about his sighting in 1979. As I told you, Bill, before we got together for this somewhat official interview, what I saw in 1979 was as real as my calling you, and I will offer it up to both you and your readers for your consideration. I had built my own Jeep for off-roading, which included a lift kit, 33-inch tires, and a worked-out 396 Chevy engine, just to name a few of the goodies that I had put into it. Most of the trail-busting I did with my Jeep could not be done with your typical four-wheeler, hence the construction of my vehicle at the time. Such was the case on this... Oh, I'm sorry. I regularly would take my buggy off the beaten trail, and such was the case on this particular day when I went out with my friend, Paul. The area we were heading into was an extremely rough trail, which led into the Kiger and Riddle Mountain Herd Management Areas. This is a 65,000-acre area, where, if you are lucky, you can catch a glimpse of the Kiger Mustangs as they graze and run over the hills and plains of the region. For those of you who are unlearned about these creatures, they are wild horses and are said to be the purest herd of Spanish Mustangs in the world today. 
These were some fine-looking animals, which we had seen many times before. This just being another day out in my little stomper truck. We were driving slowly, which was, quite frankly, all you could do, stopping here and there to survey the surrounding areas for the herd. And so far, we had seen nothing. The fact that we had seen nothing was not unusual at all. In fact, it is a rare occasion to see the herd even at a distance, and even more rare to see them up close and personal. On one occasion, we had actually watched from a distance as a helicopter was being used to gather the wild horses to be checked by the wild horse corrals near Burns. On this day, we had just edged up on the side of a hill, where the view was fairly open and wide to our north, and I immediately killed the engine. Walking through the patches of junipers, some three or four hundred yards away from where we were, was a large herd of these Kiger Mustangs. I would have to say there were twenty or more horses of a variety of colorations. We could see the dust cloud kicking up behind and around them as they paraded through the grass and trees. They were actually heading ever so slightly in our direction. Now, these juniper trees of which I speak sit both alone and in groups or clusters all throughout the area which we were in with their heights being generally between, say, 8 and 25 feet tall. They're extremely bushy and dense, being dark and somewhat olive green in color. As we sat watching, Paul and I both spotted a large, darkly colored figure darting from one group of junipers to another. It was directly ahead of where the herd was walking. Amazingly, seconds after we saw this figure moving, a Swainson's hawk took to flight out of a nearby tree heading toward the figure and started dive-bombing the very patch of trees we saw whatever it was dart into. The hawk was obviously perturbed by the presence of this creature, When the hawk started diving and screeching, we could see that the horses took note of it. Although they didn't run, they began to walk collectively in a different direction. No sooner had the herd turned with their heads facing away from this patch of junipers than did we see this creature come creeping out of the patch. It took several large steps as it slowly began to move from patch to patch in an effort to get closer to the retreating herd. At this point in time, both Paul and I had a really good look at this thing, and we both knew that we were watching a Bigfoot in action. Of course, I'm speaking to you after the fact, but we realized that this thing was waiting on the herd having seen them heading in its direction from a distance, and seemed to be stalking them. The Bigfoot's initial plot of the herd walking by it had apparently been foiled by the raptor, causing a distraction. Closer and closer did it advance, moving from patch to patch, and as of yet, the Mustangs seemed to be oblivious to the fact that they were in imminent danger of being attacked. Say what you will, but to us, the creature looked like it had done this before, and it appeared to be completely focused on the herd, unaware or unconcerned about us and our vehicle, all of which would be clearly visible from its perspective. We watched as what I described to you went on for about 20 minutes, with every advance which the Bigfoot made being countered by the horses moving ever further away. Part of me desperately wanted to see an attack, if it was going to do so, and yet another part of me didn't want to see one of these horses get killed. As it turns out, 
the Bigfoot never got its chance, which we believe was due to the hawk's unrelenting pursuit of it from patch to patch as it stalked the herd. Finally, one of the horses began to bolt, followed by the entire herd running off in the distance, far from the clutches of the Bigfoot. This Swainson's hawk stayed right atop a tree next to where we had last seen the Bigfoot for almost an hour as we sat watching and waiting for the beast to expose itself, which it never did. For all we knew, it decided to take a nap, but it never came back out. Now, due to time restraints, we had to leave for the day, uh, with that being the extent of what we saw. As far as the creature was concerned, it was both amazing to see and watch. When we first saw it emerge from the cover, it moved as a cat would when sneaking up on its prey on the ground, using both rapid and slow-moving steps, doing its utmost to not give up its advances. At no point did it stand fully erect, but rather it moved in a somewhat hunched-over position trying to keep its massive profile as low as possible. From our position, we were watching all of this from a side view, but we could well imagine that the beast was taking full advantage of other trees which were between it and the herd as it moved. The other observation was this. When we first saw the Sasquatch, we could only assume that it had positioned itself in a way where it felt the horses might walk right by it and could just leap out and wrestle one to the ground. Who knows? Perhaps it had scored in this very same area in the past, and this was just one of its hunting grounds. Besides the horses roaming around, there are plenty of small game, which is not readily visible to the casual observer. It's not as though this creature would starve without eating a horse. Plus, the horses and the herd sizes were regularly unavailable for food. Although we were at a considerable distance, I would estimate its height as being between 8 and 12 feet tall, with its weight being about 16 to 1,800 pounds. In the squatting position as it moved, its fingertips hung about mid-calf, and the upper body was as large as an oil drum. Absolutely tremendous, but at the same time it was able to move like a ballerina on the stage as it stalked the prey. It was unimaginable to either of us where this creature and others like it must stay or nest, if you will. To me, there was nothing suitable to accommodate it or other creatures like it for as far as the eyes could see, and yet here it was out in the middle of this vast area, moving from tree to tree, stalking horses. It was just incredible. The creature was all muscle and all business. That is for certain. What do you think of that, Kevin? Eight to 12 feet tall? Obviously, here we go again with a couple of guys at a pretty good distance that are trying to come in with some type of figure. Yeah, but that thing is huge. Yeah, I mean, somewhere between... And, of course, if you're stalking horses, Bill, I mean, horses aren't deer. Yeah. You know, horses weigh 2,000 pounds, right, as far as I know. Yeah, I mean, they're big, big animals for sure. Big animals. And you got to have some heft to you if you're going to chase something and wrestle it. Unless you You're just do wrestle it. a horse to the ground. I mean, come on. That's a beast. Yeah, well, that's why they seem to find a lot of these deers with their legs snapped off and their head broken. No, I know, but even a big deer is a lot smaller than a horse. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, to me, a deer would be an easy kill for a Bigfoot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a horse, jeez. Yeah. You know, and it's all in how you get it, right? Remember I told you I watched that video of the two wolves, not a pack, just two wolves chasing down the bison they in Yellowstone. Working together. Yeah. yeah. And all they did was wear the bison down who were plowing through the snow before them. They were following behind them. 
until they started to slow down a little bit. And then the two wolves ran up behind the last bison in the line and started biting the tendons on his leg, crippling it. Then yeah, that was it. Wild. That was it, yeah, man. Wild. Yeah. So who wild. knows? Wild. Bigfoot stalking Kiger Mustangs. 1979 in Oregon. Yeah, like I said, Oregon. <laughs> you know. One of my favorite states, by the way. <laughs> Oregon. Uh, now we the know. mail is pouring in. Yeah, you know we aggravate people when I do that, so that's why I can't At do it. At least you're not talking about the witches in Oregon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what an incredible thing. And how about this little pesky hawk? Yeah, that's wild that the hawk actually played a role in this. Yeah, just like unrelentless in its buzzing this thing, like, get out of my trees. I bet you the hawk had a nest over there with a couple of eggs or something. Could be. Could be. The other other thing is, too, the observation of where did this thing live? Like, where does it go home at night or to rest? Yeah. Yeah. You know, this wide open area. I don't necessarily think they have to have a, a cave or a dwelling. They just lay down. Well, I don't think they need a cave for sure. Right. You know, maybe a yeah. two, two, Wild. two story condo with running water and lighting. <laughs> <laughs> and inviting over Braxy. And of course, two story, you mean like, you know. 14-foot ceilings, 16-foot ceilings, so... Yeah, Herman Munster's yeah. type of dwelling. Herman Munster type <laughs> dwelling. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Remember he used to oh, jump up and awesome, down? Though. When he got boom, mad, he'd boom, jump up boom. and down. He'd say, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. Be pounded up and down and mantle. I forgot about that until you said it. <laughs> yeah, 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 now I remember. He was like a big baby. <laughs> he was a big baby. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that's it for the uh, the tale here. And, man, I'm telling you, folks, again, if you got something to say, please write in because I'm interested. Yeah, and if you've seen this Bigfoot hunting horses in Oregon, that would be <laughs> awesome to hear from you. Oh, my God. It's just incredible, you know. And see, Kev, the fact of the matter is that over the passage of time, many people have seen the same thing, right? Or, or and or the same habits, or the same uh, tree st- uh, tree structures, or the same uh, nest made out of broken boughs. You know, many people have seen the same thing. But it's a handful that come out with their account of what they saw, you know. So it's yep. it's connected dots, but multiple dots are the same in this connected dots drawing, you know. Yeah. So very interesting. Now, what do we got for our uh, listener mail today? Anything interesting? Yeah, we got some good listener mail tonight, Bill. So the first one comes from upstate New York from a nameless person that submitted it. Someone that wanted to remain nameless. Okay. But they are from Plattsburgh, New York. Okay. And it's related to our episode, a few episodes back, on the Lake Champlain monster, otherwise known as Champ or Champy. Yep, yep. And he writes, gentlemen, with a question mark in parentheses. Nice. (laughs) I'm a relative newcomer to your podcast. Only have been listening for a month or so. I catch each new episode as it's uploaded and have been working my way backwards through the previously released episodes as time allows. Mm -hmm. That's fair enough. Which explains why I just listened to your episode dealing with Champ. I've lived in Plattsburgh, New York my entire life. And I've spent a considerable time near, in, and on the lake. So hearing you guys talk about it was a treat. (laughs) Anyway, there's a great piece of evidence in addition to the Mansi photo that you mentioned and this evidence you neglected to mention. 
In 2005, a short video was taken of something surfacing next to the, a boat on the lake. It has since become known as the Baudet film. The footage is pretty compelling, as are the claims of the full video being withheld. Check it out for yourselves and let me know what you think. So, Bill, I don't know if you saw this letter and checked out the Baudet film, but I will post it. It turns out that Good Morning America did a little episode on the Baudet film back there in 2005. And this listener is correct. I missed this in my first reporting of the event. But I did go back and watch the Baudet film, and I will post it to our website under this episode, episode 108. Um, And, Bill, did you see it? By any chance? I didn't look at it, but I believe I commented on it in the episode. The Baudet film, was that not of that little tour boat where a whole bunch of people sighted it at the same time? No, no, no. This is different. This was two fishermen, highly experienced fishermen, in the daytime, Mm -hmm. sitting on their boat fishing, and they've both been fishing on the lake forever. You know, very credible. They're interviewed on Good Morning America. They seem very credible. And they had a digital camera, and they filmed this wake in the water in front of, like, their 20-foot-long boat, middle of the day, calm water. Okay. And then they're looking down off of the bow, and you see this thing under the water, Bill, and, like, it's not a fish. Yeah. So I will post it. It is pretty cool. So thank you, unidentified listener in Plattsburgh. This is exactly what we want. If you see other evidence that maybe we forgot to mention, bring it up. I'll share it. Like, it is cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. You know, and obviously, guys, uh, we can't uncover everything, which is why we have an army of detectives wrapped around the globe. The field reporters. You got it. People don't realize, folks, we have listeners in over 100 countries. Oh, yeah. And by the way, not just reporting on what we talk about, adding different facts. That's great. But also give us some ideas. Like if you know of something, you know, and, and you folks out there know that I have reported on stuff that you suggested. I do it all the time. I'm always looking for new ideas. Yeah. Yeah, no, and absolutely. It's impossible for everyone. It's just like it's impossible for everybody to have the same sighting. There might be uh, parts of your sighting that match others, but my yeah. sighting is not yours, and yours is not Kevin's. And that's why we encourage everybody to come forward. It was from our talking about Champ. That this unnamed person from up in Plattsburgh uh, clued us into this other film. Didn't know about it. And now yep. I'm going to have to go back. Understand me, please, people. I'm not, it's not like I'm not disinterested in what you send me. I get a lot of mail, and I may have just overlooked that link or wanted to get back to it and, you know, was caught up doing a couple of things, and that was the end of it. That's why I didn't see it. Oh, yeah, and you do a good job, Bill, calling an amazing number of people. Yeah, well, that's another thing, guys. I mean, I, mean, I, I have a hard time keeping up with the mail, and I'm not generally not talking to people. Yeah, and my listeners know that, all you folks out there that I've spoken to. I could kill an hour, hour and a half. I've spent a couple of hours on the phone with people talking about their encounters, what they do for a living, you know, just gathering information. And uh, that's just what I do. You know, I kind of enjoy it. So have at it. That's super cool. Super (laughs) cool. All right, Bill, our next letter. We go south to Rosie in Florida. All right. And the subject is skunk ape alert. Wow. And Rosie writes, hello, KJ and Oregon assassin WJ. (laughs) 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 She says, I love your show. Here's to many more great podcasts. I've heard a little bit about snakes and Bigfoot mentioned, so I thought you guys want to hear my encounter in Florida way back when I was in college at the University of South Florida, and she writes, Go Bulls. Uh My college chum, Woodsy, and I were taking an airboat ride down in the outskirts of the Everglades National Park. (laughs) 
And Rosie says, I'm not sure why they call this place a park. It's yeah. no place for children's swings and sandboxes. Yeah. yeah. No doubt about that, Rosie. <laughs> that's, a, that's the truth, Rosie. No doubt. And she says, anyway, we were knee-deep in gators and pythons when Woodsy caught a, of a dar- caught a glimpse of a dark creature walking around. Hmm. I said, what is that, and why is it holding a rope? Woodsy said, that isn't a rope. It's moving. By the way, why is there a monkey walking around in this godforsaken place? We stopped to get a good look, and it started to chew on the rope like it was a Twizzler. I said, that's a snake, man. He's eating it. Mm -hmm. He's freaking chewing on that snake. He was about a football field away and only looked to be about five feet tall from our vantage point. As it got closer, it seemed to see us with a look in his eye like he was in the mood for a little more than an appetizer. Hmm. We weren't packing more gun than we thought we were going to need. We weren't packing anything. Yeah. I told the driver to step on it, and he hit the (laughs) gas on the airboat like there was no tomorrow. I know they felt that breeze all the way back in Jacksonville. It wasn't too big, as I have heard in Florida. Creatures don't top out like the old boys up north. But it was plenty gnarly enough to give us a scare. Uh Uh-huh. Keep looking for that big man and take care. Rosie in South Florida. Fantastic. So here we go, Kev, putting some pieces together again. I'm going to bring back to your remembrance that video you talked about quite a while back of that creature by the base of that cypress tree in the water. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Now, do you remember? In Florida. Right, in Florida. And we were talking about how in the one frame, it looked like it might have been chomping on a snake. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And... In that other Bigfoot account that I was talking about in uh, Texas, what did they call that swampy area in the woods? The by ah, oh, come on. In I, Texas, I can't, what's that? The big thicket in Texas. No, they the had thicket? the they had the name. The local guys had a name for oh, that shallow yeah. swamp under the trees that never got sunlight. Do you oh, remember when they heard the Bigfoot stomping around in there? They didn't know it was a Bigfoot, and they saw it stomp on a cotton mouth and chomp it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember what they called it, though. Yeah, it's, it's but, slipping. Yeah. But, uh, and it, oh, I know, Bayal. It was called Bayal. the Bayal. Oh, maybe. Yeah, and uh, anyway, so here we have it. We've got uh, 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 a creature chomping a snake. One person thinks it's a rope and like, hey, that thing's alive. Hey, he's eating a snake. <laughs> I, I mean, look, how many creatures would eat a snake? A lot. A live, a live snake, too. Sure, yeah. they attack it first. Uh, I saw a red-tailed hawk uh, pulling a black racer up into the sky one day over by a golf course near me. This thing was writhing and wriggling about. It must have been 10 feet long. And I said to myself, boy, the people driving down North Ocean Avenue are going to get a thrill when they see this come over their head. It was was freaky looking, man, you know? Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's creatures out there. and I I would imagine the birds. The birds definitely like snakes. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. And look, if men... Uh, can run around on the ground and grab a snake by the head of the tail uh, to capture it or get a reward or whatever like they're doing with these pythons now, or boa constrictors, whatever those snakes are. How easy would it be for a Bigfoot to stomp on one or grab it and just smash? Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. and, and no have an easy meal, you know? Yeah. Wow. Although I don't like the idea of walking around in the Everglades, no matter how big and strong you are, and grabbing snakes. Well, you know, you're in the water, you know? Yeah, there's some strange cats out there, man. (laughs) That's a snake habitat. Uh, So, 
Well, Bill, our last letter isn't really a letter. Okay. But I want to touch on a bit of news that our listeners may have heard about that was very close to home for me here in Raleigh. And I don't know if you saw this because it ties into some of the stories we've done in the past in an indirect way. Okay. So did you hear about the African zebra cobra that was loose here Uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina? Yes, I saw a picture of it on that guy's deck. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. A and few that's a- miles from where I live. Wow. So it turns out this thing is like one of the most deadliest snakes in the world, a cobra, right. like we all know and love. Uh, this guy had it for a pet. And by the way, it's a spitting cobra. Nice. So not only will it bite you, it can spit like 12 feet its venom, so it blinds you forever. Nice. Um, and this guy has it as a pet. Turns out now, after the investigation, reportedly, right, I don't claim to have all of the uh, convicting facts or the facts for conviction, Mm -hmm. but it turns out it's been loose for like four months. Oh, my God. Can you believe this? Yeah, and it's in your area. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm saying more as an example. So, So now they're talking about passing laws. To outlaw owning these exotic snakes right. here. So, but what do you think is going to happen, right? It ties back into the big cat story from the UK. Yeah. Where good. folks had these big cats. They weren't supposed to have them. They're outlawed, so they turn them loose. Right. So now I'm like even more terrified because picture how many people have these crazy Exotics. super venomous snakes oh. that, that, by the way, you know, they don't have the anti-venom for in the local hospital. Like if you get bitten by a copperhead here, which is very common, mm-hmm. I don't ever want to be bitten by one. It can kill you. But, you know, if you get down to the hospital, they have the anti-venom because right. the snakes are so common here. Right. But guess what? Like zebra, African zebra cobras, they're not very common here. Yeah. So they don't have the anti-venom. So I'm afraid now when they pass this law, like people are going to turn these things loose. And Kev, who knows? Number one, who knows if this snake could crossbreed with some other snake uh, yeah, and create some other type of venomous monster that can spit and bite. But see, here's the problem. People don't think these things through. Oh, no. Here, here in New York, they have a gun give back program. Uh, typically once a year. They, oh, yeah, like the amnesty program. That's correct. Right? The cops announce that it's being held, where to bring uh, your weapons. No questions asked, no photographs. I don't want to know who you are. You don't have to show me your driver's license. Thank you. Have a nice day. Yeah. This is what they should do with these creatures. Tell the people, look, we're giving you a heads up. The law is going to be taking effect. It's not our business to come after people and have something else on our plate to do. We're asking you to surrender whatever you have. We'll have Just pe- drop, your, drop your venomous cobra off in the police station. <laughs> right. Just open the door and let it slither in. <laughs> no, I'm not <laughs> suggesting that all no, you police no, officers no, out no. there. You know what it reminds me of, though? Is Sada Connor here? Do you exactly. remember? Is Sada Connor oh, here? I remember. I remember Arnold. <laughs> I'll be back. I am a friend of hers. <laughs> <laughs> remember when he imitated uh, the mother on the phone? Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, the person on the other end was like, Mom, why are you calling me? And uh, that was that was freaking creepy, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, yeah, the zebra python, man. Uh, or zebra cobra. 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 Pythons are one thing. Cobras are another. Spitting cobra. Yeah, amazing. How it kept blinding its prey so they left staggering oh. around and then it just uh. crawls up to them and... Starts oh biting God. them to finish them off. One, I hate snakes. Yeah. Indiana Jones and I both hate snakes. Mm-hmm. And two, like, what's worse than a snake? 
a spitting venom snake. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it, Bill, this week. That's it for the listener mail. Keep the letters coming. We got a ton the last couple of weeks. I'm still going through them. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to report on uh, the news you're sending in. And, folks, thank you for the five-star reviews. Keep them coming. You know, that's the only way that we have of bringing new listeners into the program by having so many five-star reviews. So thank you for those reviews. Yeah, and, folks, go out and buy a couple of my books, audio or paperback or ebook. Uh, show a vote of support. And, by the way... If you find yourself on an airboat in the Everglades in Florida or in Appalachia looking for Braxy, you best remember one thing. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.